And the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best, and always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. It's good to see all of you. Glad to have you with us today. And uh, we've got a room full of men here and some women. You know, the women are the people who rule, (laughs) make it happen. But I'm glad to see all of y'all, all of you. I hope you have something to write with and write on today and keep up with some things. I'm going to attempt to give you a list of things I hope will be helpful to you and elaborate on each of those things. I appreciate the people who have been speaking for me. Sometimes I can't get to this, being a pastor and all of that. And uh, so I appreciate all the people who fill in. We're going to pray together in just a moment. And these ladies will help me know a little bit about who's with us and that type of thing. And I, I believe that what I'm saying to you today will be one of the most important things we've discussed. So I want you to take accurate notes. I could send you my notes when we're finished if you want them. But uh, that's up to you. You know, unsolicited gifts are almost like unsolicited advice. Uh, Sometimes it's not taken or appreciated. But if you want it, of course, everything we have is available to you. You just have to ask. But let's pray together, may we? Father, we thank Thee for this day. We thank Thee, Lord God, that we are never alone and never forsaken. We thank Thee that as we attempt this work, that we labor together with Thee. Guide us and help us. Show us Your way. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go right ahead and get to the subject. I'd like for you to write it down. And the subject is visionary leadership for Christian ministry. Visionary leadership for Christian ministry. Uh, I want to show you a few things here just for a moment. I'll give you a Bible text in a moment. Uh, When we're talking about visionary leadership, we're saying we've gotten something from God. A vision is God's revelation of himself. That's where I get the idea of vision. And the Apostle Paul said when he was speaking to King Agrippa, talking about what the Lord had done in his life, he said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Now this is a supernatural thing. God revealed something to him. And as God revealed it to him, he says, I got clarity about this. When God speaks, he speaks clearly. He speaks with clarity. And God reveals things to us. And Paul said, what God revealed to me, uh, I obeyed. I was not disobedient to my heavenly vision. I got our, our sort of intimate group together the other day and I gave them a list of things that I believe God wanted me to accomplish in the next few years in the ministry he's given me here. And uh, I prayed about it, 
thought I found the mind of Christ in this matter and then shared them with others. When we make that, that vision public, it gives, us, it gives us an accountability that we don't have until that, that we say this is what by God's grace I'm going to do, what the Lord has led me to do, and we're making a statement. I remember years ago I said to a pastor friend of mine, I believe God wants me to do this. He said, well, how do you ever know what God wants? How can you be sure that that's what the Lord wants? Well, that's just the thing. I believe that we ought to know the Lord and be able to communicate with God and God communicate with us so that we can obey Him and do what He wants us to do. Now, we're going to talk about visionary leadership for Christian ministry. Let's talk about the parts here, and I'll give you this list of things. And I hope it's a helpful thing to you because all of you need it. I need it. This is how we do our work. When we talk about visionary, people say to me, you have vision. Well, what is vision? Vision has to do with our, our view of God as God reveals himself to us. It's not that I see the thing as some big work we're to do. People say, well, you've got these extension campuses everywhere and you've got 70-something schools of the Bible and, and all these things you had vision to do. Never look at vision as some gigantic work, but it is the greatness of God. It's the greatness of God, vision. I'll come to that in just a moment with a more uh, decisive statement, a clear statement about it. And then I said we're dealing with visionary leadership. Are leaders born, trained? What, what is leadership? I, I believe for Christian leadership, we're dealing with the fact that what, what the psalmist said in Psalm 23, He leadeth me. So the glory is given to God. Now, that, that also has a pitfall because we can, we can blame God for our mistakes. But be clear, we're going to talk about how to come to that. But he leadeth me. If I were writing a book on leadership and vision, I would use those biblical expressions. He leadeth me. And how does he lead us? I, I think, well, people say, well, you're our leader. Well, only as God leads me. And uh, I'm trying to be certain of that. And then we say Christian Visionary leadership for Christian. Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is Christian? There are three occasions in the New Testament where the followers of the Lord Jesus were called Christians. And we need to study that. I've preached and taught on that subject and used those references. But I, I commend that to you, that you take time to find out why they were called Christians. What was there about their lives that identified them so with Christ they were identified as Christians? Because a lot is gone, going on in the name of religion and everything else that's not Christian. And then ministry. 
I find one of the most amazing statements about ministry given to us in the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul was in the church in Antioch and the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord, as they ministered to the Lord in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. So when we say visionary Christian leadership, we're talking about understanding what vision is, what leadership is, what Christian is, and what ministry is. It's something that we're doing for the Lord. We're guided by God and God gets the glory. It brings glory to the Lord. It requires faith to get it done. And so this is visionary Christian ministry. So write those verses down, Acts chapter 26, verse 19, not disobedience to the heavenly vision. And uh, write that verse down in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, where they ministered to the Lord. Is your ministry to the Lord? In other words, is He the audience that we please? Or do we just jump beyond that, skip over the Lord, and try to make all the people happy? Well, when we get to an audience of one, and that being the Lord, when we get to the point where our messages, our prayers, our, our deeds are all done for the Lord and for the ministry of one person and His approval, I think that's where God wants to bring us. So let me give you a list of some things. And as I was praying about this and asking God to guide me, I, I, I came to these, these things. Uh, number one, visionary Christian ministry, visionary leadership for Christian ministry begins with God. It begins with God. Now, don't, don't let that throw you. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. In the beginning, God created, Genesis 1.1. And so how do we know God? If we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do with our lives, if we're really going to please the Lord in our churches, if we're going to please the Lord with our ministry, remember God is more concerned about building the messenger than we are building, ought to be building the message. If God has His way in the messenger, the message will be pleasing to the Lord. So it all begins with God. Does this meet His approval? Who is He? Who is He? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Christ is the express image of the invisible God. So if you want to know God the Father... He sent His Son. Christ became a man without ceasing to be God to reveal God to us. He's the revelation of God. And the Bible tells us about the Lord. Uh, the vision and the revelation is progressive. And it is perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So we learn more and more about God. I've said many times as an illustration God continued to reveal Himself to Abraham until finally God said to Abraham, I am the Almighty God. None above me. I'm the Almighty God. And then He said to Abraham as an old man and to Sarah as an old woman, you're going to have a baby. But they had to have this revelation of God before they could exercise faith to believe that would be so. 
And see, a lot of times we try to lead our churches to do things or we talk about doing things ourselves, but we don't have the right vision of God. We don't begin with God. And the higher our vision of God, the greater vision we have of the Lord, the clearer things become and our faith can be enlarged, increased as our vision of God is increased. So what, what is the greatest work the, the visionary Christian leader is doing in ministry? Making people aware of who God is and for His glory. Are your people and the people I call my people here, they're really the Lord's people, but are they getting a clearer vision and a greater vision of God? So if we are really going to have visionary Christian, uh, visionary leadership in Christian ministry, visionary leadership in Christian ministry, it has to begin with God. No doubt about it. I wonder if you just sat alone for a while and thought about what you know about God. You may start naming His attributes. How well do you know Him? Paul preached for 20 years and then said when he wrote the Christians in Philippi from prison, he said that I might know Him. And then he explained how he wanted to know Him. And so you may have been preaching for 20 years or 50 years or whatever, but the goal is still to know the Lord and to move with God by God's grace and strength to the ministry that He's given you to do. I think as we know Him and honor Him and glorify Him and see Him and lift Him up and uh, we have a vision of Him. You know, when the, when the book of Hebrews reveals to us the Lord, he comes to a certain expression and about, about God and says this is the sum. If you have ever, ever thought about math and problems and putting things together, then you know what it means to have the sum and this is the sum and so the sum of all things. And the sum of all things has to do with a vision of Christ crucified, risen, and ascended, conquering over all. This is the sum God gives us of Himself. So how do you see Jesus? Do you see Him on a cross? Do you see, him, you see God uh, humiliated in the hands of sinners? No, no. He wants us to see the sum, and the sum is that uh, everything is under His feet. The greatness of God. And you know, it's not just for us to understand this and to know this and to believe that this is our God. It is, it is our responsibility to portray this God and this vision of God to our people. If you want your church, for example, or your ministry to leap forward by faith for the Lord, they've got to believe that God is leading them and He is able to see them through. And we don't move from defeat to victory. We move from victory to victory because Christ has already conquered. And He's in us and we're in Him. So you can't say too much about this. You just have to talk about it and talk about it and pray about it. And it keeps enlarging in your mind. And that is that visionary leadership for Christian ministry begins with God and knowing God and knowing who God is. 
And then number two, it lives in the work of the Word of God. The work of the Word of God. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, that the, the Word of God is given to us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all God's breathe, breath. He, he's breathed it out. And all of it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And he tells us in a list what it does. And the first work of the Word of God is to make us wise in the salvation. Wise in the salvation. And according to Hebrews chapter 9, God explains salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ appeared on the cross for our salvation. That He appears in heaven ever living to make intercession for us for our salvation. And that He's coming again for our salvation. Our redemption draweth nigh. Now how does that, how does that work? Well, He appeared on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and to save us from sin's penalty. And that's where we receive justification. Justification is not just as if we'd never sinned because we have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ on our account and His imputed righteousness on our account means that we have His record. His record is not the record of one who never sinned. It's further than that, deeper than that. His record is the record of one who was never a sinner. Never a sinner. So the record we get to heaven on is the imputed righteousness of Christ on our record, our justification. God sees us in justification just as if we were never sinners. <laughs> Think of that. We have His record. It's not my cleansed record. It's Christ's record. Now, in the ascension of Christ, He ascended on high, the man Christ Jesus, where He ever lived to make intercession for us. And in that way, He saves us from the power of sin. And He guarantees that we have access to Him and that access is available any moment, any second. We can cry out and call on the Lord. We can get a hold of God. We can get into God's presence. You can go right into the throne room and speak with God because Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. And he saves us from the power of sin. Oh, Lord, I'm being crushed under this. I'm about to, I'm about to be conquered by this. No, 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 no. He, I'm about to succumb to this. No, no, no. We have immediate access to God. We cry out for the salvation we need to be saved from the power of sin. That's sanctification. Now, you've got to work that out in your life. God sees you as uh, positionally as in Christ perfect. But on a practical basis, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I, on my part, that sanctification is, is a progressive thing. And someday when I see him, I'll be like him, for I shall know him as, see him as he is. And so I'll be perfect then. But he's in this saving process for me. He's saving me from the power of sin, sanctification. But the Bible also says He's going to appear for us someday when He comes again and save us 
from the very presence of sin. There'll be no sin when we're with him in heaven. That's glorification. So I have been saved. I am being saved. I, 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 I shall be saved. Now, when the Bible says that the work of the Word of God is to make us wise in the salvation, we need to take the whole picture here. We failed people. May I say that again? We have failed people when we lead people to believe that all there is to this is just praying a prayer and coming to know Christ. That's a birth. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. But the work God wants to do is a full work of salvation in our lives. Yes, I believe a man can go to heaven the second that he puts his faith in Christ for salvation. He's saved and saved forever. And I personally believe the gospel for all people. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm there. I don't apologize for that. I can be called a a little ignorant, hay-seated, lack of intelligence kind of a person. But it's my conviction that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm very grateful to God to have come to this conviction. But I'm saying visionary leadership for Christian ministry lives on the Word of God and lives in the Word of God. And the Word of God makes us wise of salvation. Then the Word of God teaches us doctrine. This is a fouled up world. And doctrine is the skeletal system of our Christian faith. It's what holds us in place. And it all grows out of the person of Jesus Christ. If you try to study biblical doctrine without Christ, it's nothing. It's all in Him. It's Him. So doctrine is our belief and teaching. Christ left us two things. He left us ordinances. Those are things we, He ordered that we do. Those are ordinances. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Some of our brethren practice foot washing as an ordinance. I believe it's a good thing for some people, but not as an ordinance. But these ordinances he left us, things he ordered that we do, remind us of his death. They remind us of how we know him, that he purchased our salvation. God's gift to us is the Lord Jesus. John chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer, the Lord prayed, tells us that our gift to God, our our gift to God We give ourselves to Christ, but God the Father gives God the Son, each of us, as a gift to Him. His gift to us is the Son of God, and God the Father gives us. That's this New Testament, a new covenant. It's between God the Father and God the Son. It cannot be broken. It's settled forever. It's eternal life, and thank God for it. But this is part of the doctrine. You cannot be the visionary Leader, God wants you to be without the Bible. Rooted, grounded in the Bible. Be a lifetime study of the Bible. And that's not a study of the Bible. It's a a study of the knowledge of God. You're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord because the Bible is God's book about Himself. God wrote this book, the Bible about Himself. And He wants us to study it as we're looking at the Lord. So it makes us wise in salvation. It teaches doctrine. It reproves us. It corrects us. It instructs us in righteousness. This is 
visionary leadership for Christian ministry. If a man does not come from the Bible, with the Bible, about the Bible, um, in one sense, in one sense, and we won't, people don't like this, but in one sense we're limited by the Word of God because we're limited to the Word of God. We don't want to go beyond the Bible and we don't want to fall short of the Bible. We want to be Bible people and happy about it. And there are a lot of people who go beyond Scripture and that's just as wrong as not having Scripture. So, the Word of God. The third thing in visionary leadership for Christian ministry is family. Family. This is too simple for some people. But God, God birthed the family. God birthed the family. I'm still dealing a little bit with this Bell's palsy. You pray for me. And I'm trying to get all the words out correctly. Uh, but God birthed the family. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, God gives us the foundation and the function of the family. Now, these, these uh, morality revolutionaries who want to change everything and who have attacked marriage and attacked God, really, and they, they attack marriage because they're against God. They hate God. It's like, uh, it's like uh, King Herod. When they came and said that Jesus is the king of the Jews, he said, what? I'm the king of the Jews. Nobody can rival me. Well, that Herodian spirit is in all of us. We want to be the king, the boss, the leader, the big cheese. Well, Jesus Christ can only be king. So this, this attack against the family uh, has to be seen for what it really is. It's, a, it's part of the long war against God. But how do we deal with it? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we want to try to match them? No. Know what God says about the family. When God instituted the family, He, he instituted the family with a man and a woman. He spelled out the function of the family. To replenish the earth, to subdue. He lets us know in His Word that we're to care for widows and orphans. So, you know, if I, if I said to you something was innate or organic, that it grows out of, that it is, is, is a part of, the answer to what we need today in the battle we're in is, is placed inside the things God created. And so instead of going wild about every imaginable thing you can come up with or you hear somebody talk about, get back to the Bible, back to God, back to the family, and just say, this is what the family is. It's what the family, the Bible says about the family. Well, they say, well, I don't believe the Bible. I'm sorry you don't, but I'm a Bible man. And we've got Bible men and women. And the point of reference for their faith is the Word of God. The sole authority for their faith 
is the Word of God. We're not talking about leadership everywhere. We're talking about visionary, as God reveals, visionary leadership for Christian ministry. Don't be ashamed of that. Read what Paul wrote to Timothy and not being ashamed of him. He's in prison. I'm in prison. They're going to chop my head off. Uh, don't be ashamed of me. All of this happened to me because I stood true to the Lord. So die to self and stand firm. But the family, you think for a moment, meditate upon this and pray of what truth comes out of what God says about the family. What are children to do? What's a man to do? What are the responsibilities of a man? What are the responsibilities of a woman? The greatest thing in the Bible God says about women is as how they model Christ. When Peter wrote and said uh, about the Lord Jesus and what he did, when he was reviled, he reviled not. He submitted himself. He did these things to purchase our salvation. Then the very next verse he says, Likewise, likewise you wives. He compared the wife to Christ. The wife is no less value than the man. Just as God the Son is no less value than God the Father. They are co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so God said to the, your wife, if you're the husband, uh, she's no less than you are. But to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish in marriage, she willingly submits herself just as God the Son willingly submitted himself and went to the cross to purchase our salvation. So there's so many things we're dealing with today that can be answered by what God designed in the family. And so we, we must give people the truth. That's what we are, fellow helpers to the truth and truth tellers. And we must share the truth with people, give the truth to people. The fourth thing about visionary leadership for Christian ministry is the local church. The local church. Matthew 16, you know, of course, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, in? And the Lord asked them questions, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter pronounced, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto me, but my Father which is in heaven. And so he, he's saying, Upon this rock I'll build my church. Let's get back to the church. We're calling this the year of the local church at the Temple Baptist Church in Crown College, the year of the local church. Do you realize that we have got what we need in local churches to see God move and work. Did you know that the Lord calls the church the pillar and ground of the truth? Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said that we're to speak the truth in love. In that same context, he told them that God had gifted the church and he gave gifts to the church. One of them was a pastor. And so the local church when uh, Titus was sent to Crete by the Apostle Paul, Paul told him in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, 
I want you to stay in Crete and set in order, to set in order the things that are wanting. In other words, get the church right so it can become a pattern for other lives. Get it, get it right in the church. And I think this is a time when in, in love, led of the Holy Spirit, we need to say, God help this church to be all it ought to be so it can help families. I have attorneys in this church and I can help them be better attorneys. There are medical doctors here. I can help them be medical doctors. Fathers and mothers, I can help them be better fathers and mothers. Children, sons and daughters, uh, I can help them be better sons and daughters, better businessmen because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. We're preaching the truth. Uh, the, this, this instrument God created, the Lord Jesus started the church. The Lord Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. And we need another emphasis placed on the church like never before. And may God guide us. And if we're going to have visionary leadership for Christian ministry, you cannot ever exclude the local church. When I was a boy coming up in the ministry, we talked about parachurch ministries a lot. Parachurch ministries, things that actually lived off a church, alongside a church, but weren't the church. And uh, some people get disappointed in a particular church and they, they give up God's idea for the church. No, 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 no. And, 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 and the greatness of a church is in its likeness to Jesus Christ, not its size. You may be in some out-of-the-way place, obscure. Nobody will ever know you're there, but you're making a difference in people's lives by preaching the truth to them. I believe the work I did at the Greenback Memorial Baptist Church in a little farming village called Greenback, Tennessee, was as vital and important as the work I'm doing here. It is more far-reaching here, but God did that. But I wouldn't be here if I hadn't tried to be faithful to the Lord there, faithful to the Lord there. And don't minimize any church anywhere in the body of Christ. Don't, don't minimize it. And I, I don't like to hear people think, uh, well, that's a great church, and that isn't a great church. That's not much of a church. But for someone, for someone, it's, it's the greatest thing in their life because it's where God speaks to them and God guides them and God helps them. And if we're going to have visionary leadership for Christian ministry, we have to understand the place God gives the local church. This, this will bring us back to church planning and pioneer work in churches. I had a man call me the other day, <coughs> excuse me, in the night, late at night, and uh, he talked about where he is in Browning, Montana. I can't get away from it. He said, I'm on an Indian uh, reserve. He said, maybe 16,000 people in this area. And we need a church. We need, we need the truth. Our people are dying for lack of the truth. He talked about his grandfather who was affected by um, a, a great Christian leader at Prairie Bible Institute. Uh, and I, I, I thought they once had something and they, they have the remains of that now. 
But uh, God help us to give the church the place the Lord Jesus gave the church, to love it and to die for it. What a wonderful thing. Now, there is a fifth thing that you may not think about and or you may think about it for visionary leadership. Leadership. We need leadership for Christian ministry and that's meditation. Meditation in the Lord's work. I want to read this verse to you. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I want you to get it. And uh, remember where God put the emphasis in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Many people put the emphasis on success. Let me read the verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And for then, for then, there's some great thens in the Bible. Why don't some of you pray and meditate about that and preach on a series of messages on those great thens? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then, wow, I could preach right now on these thens. Then, when Jesus told about the, the rich man tearing down his barns and he said to his disciples, then, and then what it follows. There's some great then. As a matter of fact, uh, somebody write a note. I need to preach on that. I'm so full of that anyway. So just, I need to preach on it. Preaching is like the measles. It'll break out on you if you got it, you know. It, 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 it'll break out on you. Don't apologize for it. Thank God. God called me to be a preacher and to put a fire in me to preach. But meditation. The Bible says, that Let none be ashamed that wait on the Lord. Hurry is the scourge of our lives. Now, I, I, I say that and I think about what my wife says to me. How many more things are you going to add to your life? Well, I need to eliminate some things. But how do we take the time to meditate? To, I, I, I text a man today. If I had my phone, I'd read you the text. And... Uh, we're dealing with a little issue and, you know, when you have schools and lots of things, you deal with lots of little issues. And I text the man and I said, um, we can talk soon about all of this. We have needed time to step back and get clarity. And everybody wants me to rush, rush to something and, and answer something right away. And you know, when I was a young pastor starting out, I thought when somebody came in the door to talk to me, right then and there, I had to give them the answer. How foolish. I gave people right answers sometimes, maybe not right answers, but gave them answers immediately. And, but they weren't ready for it most of the time. They couldn't process it. And there's always many... Con things being confronted, many battles at the same time. We've got a, a battle going on here and a battle going on there and a battle going on here. And uh, how do all those things affect one another? There has to be meditation on God's Word. Let God give clarity. 
And then out of clarity will come certainty. This is what the Lord wants. But we have to have meditation. Let me read the verse again. This book of the law, that's God's word, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So it's obeying. And then the Bible says, and then, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The success comes as, as a, a product of obedience. Someday somebody might say to me, how did you do all those things? And I would say, what things? And evidently they're looking at some particular thing. Maybe they're looking at a building built or a program instituted. We just started a new creation science major in college. Now, now they have to have a four-year degree. They have about 30 hours of Bible in the thing. But uh, we know that God's given us the faculty to teach and science does not conflict with the Bible. The world thinks it does, but Christians understand that God made the world and we understand the Lord and this gives us the understanding we need of creation. But how did that happen? You don't rush into those things. You pray about it. You think about it. You ask God to guide you and help you. But it takes meditation. Something about this, as we get into God and God's Word, the Lord sorts things out for us. You can't lead without that. If you want to be a running rushing leader and the quickest guy to the punch leader you're going to fall flat on your face sometime soon watch it it doesn't work that way if you're going to have visionary leadership for Christian ministry it requires meditation and then a sixth thing it requires prayer prayer Prayer. Prayer is not just praying. It's learning how to speak with God. Read Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. When the disciples came to Jesus, the Lord teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And you go through that study and Jesus brings them to nothing. Are you sure you want to be motivated to pray? They're brought to nothing. And guess what? They start asking God for God. Prayer is hard work. I'm not saying that I am uh, a person who is an example in every area in prayer, but I've learned to pray. Most people learn to pray because the, the petty things that they're dealing with have to be enlarged. The burden has to increase and it's a way to really deal with things when God brings us to the point where there's nothing left but God and prayer. But you can't lead. You're not a visionary leader for Christian ministry unless you're a student of God in prayer and pray. And when you pray about everything, there may be moments when somebody tells you about something, let's stop and pray. You get a phone call with somebody and they've got a trouble you're dealing with, 
You say, listen, before you get off the phone, on the phone, let's pray together and unite your hearts together in prayer. And you're just praying and talking to God, speaking to God and praying. That's what you have to do, to pray and to pray and to pray. And uh, you meet somebody and you get to talking to them about some need they've got. Well, let's pray about it. You're praying about everything. And what you're doing, you're saying, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't accomplish this and come to a conclusion by ourselves. We must pray. Pray. Uh, learn what Jesus taught about prayer. A seventh thing for a visionary leader in Christian ministry is preaching. Preaching is a miraculous thing. The one thing missing in preaching that I think is most obvious is passion. People think preaching is just giving people truthful information. But there's, there's passion in preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 talks about the foolishness of preaching. And the world looks on as foolishness. And Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. And improve your preaching. Improve your preaching with content. Preaching has an art and preaching has a science. If the science is the content and the art's the delivery, you can improve the art and the science. I have many books on preaching. If I, if I could read a book on preaching and, and, uh, and find one thing, just one thing that would help me be a better preacher, I'd think that my labor was, was worthwhile. Study the Bible examples of preachers. Uh, A.T. Pearson gave a list of different types of servants God used and, and also um, A.B. Simpson has some things to say about that. But improve your preaching and, 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 and be passionate about it. If you don't believe it, if it, has, if, it has, if it hasn't taken you, if it hasn't captured you, how in God's name do you think it's going to capture anybody else? It's preaching. God uses preaching. I said to Dr. Robertson when I worked with him, I knew he was going through a great trial. And I said, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle this? He said, I'm going to preach my way out of it. Boy, I've never forgotten that. I'm going to preach my way out of it. And he said, Clarence, as long as I'm here, I have the power of the pulpit. Think of that. Isn't that quite a statement? I heard Dr. Robertson preach over a thousand times. He never fired a blank. And then his critics came along and said, you know, I never had much to say. <laughs> you know, not much content. And I thought, how silly you are. You know, preachers can be some of the silliest, most critical people ever lived. It's ridiculous. Don't get me started on that. Why did some of you bring that up? The, fa the fact of the matter is, a passionate preacher is going to stir the hearts of people. It rings a bell. It starts the engine. It cranks the motor. And how you hope to be a visionary leader in Christian ministry without that preaching? Paul said to Titus that it was preaching that he, God used to reveal some things to him. Preaching. Just preaching. May the Lord guide us. 
And then, of course, I must say something about faith. Number eight, faith. Visionary leadership for Christian ministry requires faith. What is faith? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Why is that faith? Because it brings you above other things. You'll get overwhelmed by family problems, people problems. But you see Christ, high, holy, exalted, lifted up. He's greater than all that. Looking unto Jesus. And, and the, the description of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the real definition is looking unto Jesus. We've come this far by faith. And, you know, you can lead a church by bossing people around. You can lead in any kind of a ministry by just ordering people around. That's the bad way. It's a bad way. Some people lead by saying, oh, all you people are so stupid, I'm going to tell you what to do. Ridiculous. You're the stupid one. Excuse me. Other people say, well, there's a, there's a trifling, I'll do it all myself. That's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. But the man who knows the Bible and knows the Lord is in there with the people helping them. And by the way, every, every generation needs the opportunity given them to have to trust God for themselves. I can remember starting out how we had to believe God for things. At Greenback, Memorial Baptist Church, at Calvary Baptist Church in the North City, at Madison Avenue Baptist Church in Patterson, New Jersey, and trusting people, believing people. And your people need that. Every generation needs that. The, the generation coming on needs their own opportunity to see that God will come through. He always keeps His word and they move forward by faith. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please Him. And we believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Somebody was telling me they're Christians, they're in leadership, a little different kind of ministry. And they said, man, I'm so overwhelmed. I said, wonderful. They just stared at me. So I don't know how I'm going to get out of all this. I said, you'll get out of it. God will bring you through. This is the thing that will make you. Out of the eater is where you get the strength. You need the struggle. Somebody was showing me little bird eggs and one of them was cracked open. I was looking at it and I said, you know, God made it so when that bird has to work to crack open that egg and get out, it strengthens the bird for that next stage in life. And you need to have to crack your way out of some things. And I need to have to crack my way out of some things because faith is required in the Lord's work to have visionary leadership for Christian ministry. And then there's a ninth thing, which is a filling of the Holy Spirit. I've written this little booklet on how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit. I hold this up because I'd like to send you a copy of this. If you have whatever it takes to write me and ask me for it, I'll just send it to you. Or... I can have Mr. Kyder sitting here, make sure we put it online, and you can download it. So send me a note about it, because without the filling of the Holy Spirit, you can't get God's work done. 
Why have the availability of God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us, enable us, and, and, and not avail ourselves to the Lord to do it? It's God on our side. It's God in us and over us and around us and preparing the way for us. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit filling. Dr. Robertson preached one time on the filling of the Holy Spirit in a camp in Maine. And he said, when I left my cabin and walked across the field to a meeting, one of the young people at the camp came up to me and said, are you filled right now, this moment, with the Holy Spirit? This is the power that's missing in our Christian ministry. Everything I've said to you is going to be null and void, this visionary leadership for Christian ministry, unless we're filled with God's Spirit. And then I want to say there's a tenth thing, and that is be local and global at the same time. Don't just be local without being global. Don't be global without being local. Be local and global at the same time. Acts 1.8 You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and most parts of the earth. Local. And sometimes I have to remind myself and our people our ministry is right at our feet here. Right in front of us locally in our community. Powell Community and Knoxville, Tennessee, local. And our ministry is global. And, uh, we, you know, we have 100,000 people who look at our media stuff. And they, they call and watch and this poor man in, in, uh, crying out for help the other day said, we watch, we have no church. We watch your church service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I think that's wonderful. But I can't forget the people across the street. So we must be local and global at the same time. There's so much I'd like to say about that. Because to do one without the other is to disobey God. We're after our Jerusalem now. We're embracing our Jerusalem with the love of Christ. But we also must be global. Local and global at the same time. I'll do anything I can to help you and encourage you, but I'm trying to put my heart in this and pour out my heart to you about visionary leadership, visionary leadership in Christian ministry. I have some questions. When looking for men to help lead in your church, what qualities are most essential? Integrity, sincerity, godly sincerity, Honesty, death to self. You can train people. You can train monkeys to do things. And we place too much emphasis on talent and not the right emphasis on holiness. And so, uh, what books do you recommend about spiritual leadership? Blackaby's books are all good. Um, Oswald Chambers' books are good. You'll find some good books. But none of these books, none of this trashy stuff that they use IBM one day and you try to use it the next day, they all leave God out. 
They're going to spit, shine, and polish you into a fine-tuned instrument. That's not Christian ministry. Oh, when are we going to wake up about that? When you feel your vision for your ministry diminishing, how do you motivate yourself to begin again? Get out and knock on doors, talk to people, speak to people about the Lord. Uh, let God speak to you. I heard this past few days about a lovely young couple exploding their whole marriage. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. You ever think about the next generation and what they have or don't have? I'm trying to write everything I can write, put everything I can into print, get things out to people to help people, but always bring them back to God and the Bible. Always. I'm facing opposition to a path. I'm reading the questions. I'm facing opposition to a path I believe God wants our church to take. How do you recommend handling this kind of opposition? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. I put that in there. Uh, I do not want to disregard it, but I don't want, we don't want to stop what I believe God's given us to do. I wrote down things 30 years ago. I'd like to do it. I'm just getting around to doing them now because people weren't ready for it. Think of that. I'm serious. I could find the notes. I've waited 30 years and longer than that for some things. God prepares the heart of the people to receive certain things. And, they, and there's, time, there's a time they can't receive it yet. And may the Lord guide us and help us. Always guiding us and helping us. Can you speak about the beans and bread banquet? The question is how you use that to lead your church. Well, I just present my vision to the people at the beans and bread banquet. All right? And uh, just talk to them, the pastor, the people. It's, it's a family meeting. What are your thoughts on families worshiping and serving together in local church? Sometimes I see families spread. What happens? We should have families, parents, grandparents, and grandchildren all together. Look, there is a worship war there is a worship war going on dividing families, generations. It, 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 it's, it's awful. It's awful. My style of worship, your style of worship, that's for another day, another time, but we need to be worshiping God together in reverence and fear of God and holiness you see, more, too many people are more concerned about what, what the people think about them than what they think about God. People need to leave your place knowing this is what the preacher said and, and I believe these things to be true about God. May God help us. I wish I could say so much more, but it's time to go. And we'll be back again someday, God willing. I hope these things help you. It'd be, it'd be encouraging to hear from some of you fellas uh, just to say 
this helped me or this didn't help me. I wish you'd find something to say or whatever's on your mind, but it'd be good to hear from you. And I hope, I hope you will. Pray for us here at the Temple Baptist Church in Crown College. I started the college because so many people have put so many things in my life. I wanted to share these things with others. And that's why I'm doing this. Uh, God has taught me things through so many kind people coming alongside me, helping me. And I'd just like to share some of these things with you. Be a visionary leader in your Christian ministry. Let's pray together, may we? And ask God to guide us. Father, seal these things in our heart. Help us to press forward. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.